It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? Sean here with a Friday episode of Locked On Raptors. On today's show, we are joined by Tony East from Locked On Pacers, one of my favorite hosts on the entire Lockdown Network, to talk about Raptors Pacers 3.0 tonight, the third time these two teams have played in the first 20 games, but they are very, very different teams now than they were back in the first couple weeks of the season when the Raptors took two straights against Indiana. We will talk about how they are different, how they are the same, and how these teams are evolving as the season now moves past the quarter pole, and also I have some thoughts on the Raptors closing out this six-game road trip and what lies ahead in the month of December. That's all coming up in just one second here on your Friday episode of Locked on Raptors. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1066 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, November the 26th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And, of course, you can find the podcast free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Google, Apple's, Odyssey, whatever it might be. Please subscribe, slash follow, slash rate, slash review. And, of course, you can subscribe to the podcast on YouTube. It is very much appreciated when you take the time to do that and support our little YouTube. YouTube community. All right, on today's show, I am joined by Tony East of Locked On Pacers as we dig into Raptors Pacers 3.0. And these two teams are very different than they were when they last played. Of course, Karis Levert didn't appear until the second of the two games the Raptors played with Indiana very early on in the season. That, of course, is different now. He's playing, but he's not playing terribly well. So we'll dig into why that might be. Also, Pascal Siakam was not in the picture for the Raptors when last these two teams squared off. And so we will talk about how Pascal has eased into the Raptors lineup, the sort of growing pains that have come for the Raptors defense, what the Pacers are, have we gotten any closer to figuring out what the hell this team is? That's all coming up with Tony East in the second and third segments of the show. Before we get into that, I just wanted to take a second here to sort of reflect upon the road trip the Raptors just went on. It feels like the road trip has lasted about nine weeks. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I was in Scotiabank Arena. I want to say it was November 5th, three weeks to the day that I was last there. They've not played many home games since then. I think just the one, actually, against the Detroit Pistons the following weekend. And it's just been a very 
bizarre, long, drawn-out road trip. And I think when you sort of think about some of the low points, the Jazz game, for example, it feels like maybe it's been less of a successful trip than it actually has been. And look, they're 2-3 and three right now. They could fall to 2-4 and four with the Pacers game tonight. But I'm ready to say I'm pretty okay with the results of this road trip either way, regardless of what takes place against the Pacers tonight. This was a super tough trip. The Jazz are very good. The Blazers are coming into form. The Warriors are obviously the best team in basketball right now. And the Grizzlies are no slouches. And the fact that the Raptors picked up a win against the Grizzlies, I don't know if it's like a signature win necessarily, but it is one of their better wins of the season so far. And then they picked up that win against the Kings in a really nice bounce back after that awful game against the Jazz on the second night of a back-to-back, traveling from altitude to Sacramento. That, for me, is enough to say, you know what? They broke even on this trip. If they go 3-3, and I think that's gravy, honestly. You know, this was a a not an easy trip to begin with. And when you factor in that OG Ananobi has not been available, I think, you know, I guess for uh, other than the one game against Portland... I think you're pretty okay with the results here, especially when you consider what's coming up here for the Raptors. And if you're not really attuned to what the Raptors' schedule is, let me fill you in, because the Raptors' schedule is about to... Look, I don't know if it's not necessarily easy with a lot of the teams they're going to be playing. There's some good teams, there's some not-so-good teams, and some medium teams mixed in. But 17 of the next 21 Raptors games will be played at Scotiabank Arena. I know they've not been very good at home this season, but they've only played eight home games, most of which not with their full complement of players. You would hope that OG Ananobi could be back as early as tonight, but hopefully at some point during this upcoming seven-game homestand that they play uh, starting on Sunday with Boston. They get Boston, Memphis, Milwaukee, Washington, Oklahoma City, New York, and Sacramento. So kind of like a medium-strength of schedule homestand. You've got you got some good teams in there, Milwaukee, Boston, uh, Washington, of course, Memphis, who they just beat, and then some not-so-good teams on the tail end, which is kind of nice. You can maybe beat up on the Thunder and Knicks and Kings. Yes, I'm still on the Knicks aren't very good bandwagon, and I will stay there forever. Either way, things are clearing up here, and it almost feels like the Raptors can kind of start fresh with this season kind of at zero. You know, they'll either be 9-11 and 11 or 10-10 and 10 after tonight's game. I think that's totally reasonable considering, you know, when you look back at the first quarter of the season, the things that have gone wrong in terms of injuries, in terms of the defense falling off the rails, you know, th- this could have gone a lot worse than it has. And instead, they are going to be flo- floating around 500 in the play-in conversation in a very loaded and clustered together Eastern Conference. And they get this really nice stretch of home games where it's almost half of their home games over the course of the next 21 games are are, are worked into the schedule. I think this is a chance here for the Raptors to gain some ground, get back on track a little bit, and, you know, maybe rattle off a run or two within this next stretch of 21 games, you know, to get to that midway point of the season, you know, we'll have a better picture, of course, of where things stand at the end of this stretch. But this is an enormous stretch going into mid-January when this long stand until like January 11th, when they go back on the road for a five-game trip, their longest trip uh, for a while. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm pretty, you know, okay, even keel about where they are. I think when you factor in as well that Pascal Siakam came back ahead of schedule and looks pretty good, all things considered, you know, a couple games here and there where maybe he hasn't looked quite like himself it's been a bit of a process obviously the defense has been a trouble but with Pascal missing so much time OG missing so much time Ken Burch in another lineup one of their steadiest forces Yuta Watanabe only playing his first game in game 19 all things considered 
where the Raptors sit right now, you can't really have too many complaints. And uh, this next 21 games, I think, will really tell us what this team is going to be. I think it's going to give a direction as to what the deadline strategy could be, what the sort of view on like Chris Boucher might be, for example, as a guy who's a pending free agent, maybe not in the long-term plans, but if he feels like he kind of gets back into form here and can contribute to a winning playoff-worthy team, then maybe you keep him around and don't look to flip him at the deadline. But if things don't go well here, if the struggles at home do continue, then I think by the end of this next 21-game stretch, we will have a pretty good vision of what the plan and the outlook for the rest of this season will be. But where they are right now, I don't think you can really complain. If at the start of the season, you were told that OG Ananobi was going to miss a portion of time, that uh, Kem Birch was going to miss a ton of time, that Siakam was going to miss the first 10 games, and they would still be 10 and 10 or 9 and 11, regardless of what happens tonight. I think that is something that most people would have taken. And then you jump into this very home heavy schedule and see if you can rattle off some wins or at least tread water and, you know, kind of hang around in that play in mix against, you know, again, it's not the easiest schedule by any means. There's some pretty tough teams coming up, but there's also some pretty cream puff games coming up here as well. Uh, all very fascinating stuff. Either way, those are my kind of thoughts on the upcoming schedule and how things have gone for the first quarter of the season. Without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Tony East from Locked On Pacers as we dive into everything relating to this Raptors-Pacers matchup. But first, let me just tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag. Thanksgiving was yesterday, which means the football season is really ratcheting up here as the season comes to a close, and nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting, baby. Bet Online has you covered all holiday season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before. So while you're munching that leftover turkey sandwich, throw some money down on the upcoming football games this weekend. It's a loaded slate. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile uh, mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. And it's not just football; you've got pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, baseball futures, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, they're stuffed with deals this holiday season. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, let's get to it. Myself, Tony East from Locked On Pacers, previewing Raptors Pacers for the third time so far this season. It's unbelievable. We'll not see him again until like March, but love Tony. Love having a chat with him whenever the Raptors and Pacers cross paths. Enjoy the conversation. All right, time for some crossover time between Locked On Pacers and Locked On Raptors. Listeners of both shows, thank you for making either Locked On Raptors or Locked On Pacers your first listen today as we enter the foray of previewing this game. And it seems odd to do another crossover for Pacers-Raptors because they've already played twice this season. The third <laughs> time they'll be playing 
but yet a lot of differences between these teams in just a month's time. I mean, the Raptors were rolling the first two times they played the Pacers. No Levert the first time the Pacers played the Raptors. Pascal Siakam is now back from injury, so still a very different group of teams heading into this game on Friday. And of course there, as you can see, I'm Tony East from Locked On Pacers if you're on the Raptors side. Sean Woodley <laughs> is here from Locked On Raptors. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. We're recording here on Thanksgiving, which for me is just Thursday where I don't have to do any work because everybody I work with is off. It's great. I'm having a great time. <laughs> it was lovely to see you uh, just shoot over a message and say, hey, want to crank one of these out while people cook food for me? Or I guess that is that what's going on? Like, are you just waiting for food to be served down your gullet? I can. I can smell the bread being baked downstairs. I've already eaten an unhealthy amount of pumpkin bread. It is like the middle of the day. So it it is a a wonderful day to talk about the Toronto Raptors in Indiana. (laughs) So I will start with the obvious question about the Raptors because the first two times the Pacers and Raptors played, no Pascal Siakam. Uh, He's now back, and I think he's probably the most underrated player in the NBA, just given how very little he's talked about from being a second-team All-NBA guy literally two seasons ago. Mm -hmm. So how has he looked since he's returning? How has he kind of helped the Raptors be a better team? And has he looked like the Siakam that was that second-team All-NBA guy two years ago? Yeah, he hasn't quite gotten to the All-NBA level just yet, but he has been really good, and he's been really efficient, which has been the most encouraging thing. You know, his efficiency really took a hit the couple seasons he was the number one guy after Kawhi Leonard left. And, you know, it was always sort of a question of how much of a burden can he carry? Is he a true number one? And I think it's pretty clear at this point that he's not like a true number one on a championship team. But that doesn't mean you go and cast him aside or think he is bad or anything like that because he is quite good and he is easily the most dynamic offensive player the Raptors have. He's the guy who can get a defense shifted and discombobulated more than anybody else on the team. He's a good passer. He has a bit of a mid-range game that he continues to work on, some step backs that he's working in. He's been pretty solid. You know, There have been a couple of really stinky games in there. He had a four-point game against the Jazz where he was like 2 of 14, looked really rough. His defense was not there either, and his defense is probably the thing that's still lagging the furthest behind. And that's kind of been the story of the Raptors since they last played the Pacers. You know, the defense has kind of fallen on hard times here. They have not really gelled all that well. They had a great second half on Wednesday against the Grizzlies where they, you know, I think held the Grizzlies to 42 points and they looked like themselves and sort of on a string and rotating. But, you know, Siakam's injection to the lineup has kind of just made things a little bit weirder for the for the team. You know, you have Scotty Barnes. You're just trying to figure out what the fit looks like there. The fit obviously works if you watch the Raptors and see how they kind of play off of one another, the way they can both pass and handle the ball. It's a really nice combination to have in your front court, but it's still a learning experience. And on defense, yeah, it, like Siakam, a little bit slow, getting blown by here and there. He's not like the, the shutdown defender that you expect. There are moments where he's very clearly their best team defender when they play their really aggressive defensive style where they're rotating and filling in for the rotator all the time. But, you know, it's still been hit and miss and it's not quite been a consistent product. But on offense, I mean, he's averaging like 18 a game. He's, again, at like a 58.2 true shooting percentage, which is really nice considering he's got a couple of stinkers in there uh, and he's had some really explosive games. And I think the most encouraging thing is that he's just bombing away from three right now. That was really the big sort of thing that dropped off for him last season. You know, basically the same numbers across the board. He just was missing the point production that would come from making his regular amount of threes. This season so far, he's uh, taken four threes per 36 minutes. He's shooting 41% from three as well. So it's down a little bit from his peak volume, but I think it's kind of a perfect in-between where he's not settling for threes and he's actually like using his downhill, you know, quickness and ability and spin move and all that and using the three-pointer as like a bit of a sort of 
backup option as opposed to it being a thing that he really leaned on in the last couple seasons a lot of the time. His shooting percentages frightened me when I opened his page that he could come back from injury and already be that efficient <laughs> from basically everywhere on the floor because, you know, the other thing about the COVID year last year with him is it felt like he had so many important shots that just, like, barely didn't go in that kind of yeah. hurt his perception. But, like, he's he's really good. And now that he's shooting again, right, when he was all NBA, he was about a league average three-point shooter on, like, six attempts per game or something like that. I should I literally had his basketball reference page up and closed it to make that point. Uh, but yeah, to see his three-point shot return seems like it'd be so huge for this Raptors team. And for the Raptors specifically, obviously OG's been awesome, but he doesn't quite have the gravity that Pascal does. And for a team mm-hmm. that, you know, they have some vets, but is trying to work in young guys, get them space to play and grow, it seems like his infusion would be really helpful for this team, especially with his stats looking so good. And yet, I look at the Raptors' results since they played the Pacers <laughs> a few weeks ago, and they're not so rosy. And you kind of already tipped it, but what's going on with their defense? Why have they kind of stumbled since that five-game win streak in late October? It's just the lack of chemistry, man. Like, it's really rough right now. They're down to 24th in the league in defensive efficiency. And it's just, they're playing the same scheme they've played for the entirety of Nick Nurse's tenure for the most part, or at least since Kawhi Leonard left. They played a bit of a different, more sort of adaptable scheme when they had a bunch of defensive geniuses during the championship season where it was like, what is our defense? It's whatever we want it to be, whatever Mark Gasol says it is to be a little bit more sort of defined in the last couple of years and you think back to that 2019-20 season they were the number two defense in the league they were the topic of many a think piece about wow they allow so many threes but are they allowing the threes to the right people how are they doing this they contest so well other teams are seeing ghosts when they're putting up threes because of the closeouts of Siakam and OG and the, and the rest and it's just not come together so far this season they don't really have a, I think you got to look at Scotty Barnes. You know, as great as Scotty Barnes has been, and he continues to be a really delightful player to watch on offense. He looks like a chicken with his head cut off on defense. Sometimes it's just a really complex scheme for a guy to learn coming out of college, and he is often kind of filling in the most important roles in the defense. He's usually the nominal center when the Raptors are rolling out their small ball starting five when they've been able to do that when they've been fully healthy. And there's a lot of responsibility there. There's a reason Mark Gasol you know, was the guy who made that defense work. He's a genius and he'd been doing it for, you know, a decade and a half in the NBA. Scotty Barnes is 20 games into his career and he's just not there with the rotations, doesn't quite know where to be. He's a little bit sort of wonky with his closeouts, a little bit lazy, doesn't quite bring the closeouts. Do you mean to tell me that defending in the NBA is harder than defending in the ACC? It's very hard. Yeah, as it (laughs) turns out, it's, uh, you know, he just is not quite there. And then one sort of rusty wheel in the Raptors defense causes everything to kind of fall apart. And then you, you work in the fact that, you know, even when they've tried to play a bit more of a reserve scheme where they're switching and stuff like that, which should be their base defense once they kind of get everybody up to speed, you would think because of all the good one on one defenders they have. They have not really had a lot of success because they've come up against a lot of teams recently with really good dynamic guards. You know, the Blazers have the Powell, McCollum, Lillard trio, Donovan Mitchell, of course, even, you know, kind of go on down the list. I'm curious to see how they handle like Malcolm Brogdon and Karis LeVert, for example, in this game. You know, it's just been blow by after blow by 
Scotty Barnes cannot hang with on switches right now. He's just too slow laterally. He hasn't quite figured out the angles. He gets up on guys way too close and then just allows the avenue to, to blow by him. And that's all stuff that's going to come around. The nice thing is that the offense has been way better than expected. They're number seven in the league at the time that we're talking right now, which is stunning to me. I figured it was going to be the exact inverse in terms of offense and defense. You know, a bottom 10 offense, a top 10 defense. I, I felt pretty good about that. And uh, it's been exactly the opposite of that. But I do think if there's something that can change and sort of improve for the better here, it is the defense. And I do think there's a chance if the offense can even sort of stay around league average, which is still ahead of where I thought it would be, with time and congealing and all of that good stuff marinating together, I think the defense can get back to where you kind of expect it to be, where it is forcing turnovers and you know really driving their offense through their defense. It's just not really been the case lately. I just went back to Assembly Hall uh, where the Indiana Hoosiers play, which is my lame transition into talking about my man OG Ananobi, um, <laughs> <laughs> who just destroys this Pacers team and like I've talked about this with you several times, but just the the way he's built and the skills he has gotten better at since he joined the league are exactly what the Pacers suck at guarding. And I mean, mm-hmm. LeBron is the best or one of the best players in the league right now, but like he's very much low key on the scale of that talent level. But LeBron just had 39 against the Pacers last night because he's this big bodied dude who can just push guys around and create the shots for himself and his teammates. And the Pacers have. You know, Tory Craig kind of helps, but don't really have the answers for that, right? They didn't even right. go to Craig until the fourth quarter in Toronto. And that game's still to this day, worst Pacers performance of the season. So I know OG's hurt. You, I know I, it was weird because I remember Nick Nurse reading quotes that he said that OG might be out for a while. And then he was like questionable, like three days later or something. What, yeah, what do you no feel idea. like his status is? Do you feel like he can <laughs> play in this Pacers game? What's the deal with that? I really don't know. I've given up trying to know what the Raptors are saying when they talk about injuries. <laughs> like, nurse going to be like a while, and I don't know what a while means. It could be, you know, 20 minutes. It could be three months. I have no clue. But, yeah, the well, fact that he's been questionable now. great for your fans. So I, it's yeah, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really good for betting purposes as well. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the... Right now, I mean, he's been questionable the last two games against the Warriors on Sunday and then against the Grizzlies on Wednesday. Maybe that like week of extra time he's been out now for almost 10 days. Maybe that's enough. It's it's really hard to say. Also, hit pointers. I, I don't really know what a hit pointer is. I'm not a doctor, and I've never really had an explanation as to what it is. I'm assuming it just means he got hit on the hip real hard. But again, not a doctor. So I... I yeah, I, I hope he plays, obviously, because I would just want to see the Raptors with their full complement of guys together for a single stretch of games. Like, it's really been stop and start. That's been a big problem with the defense and stuff, too, is, like, there's just been no con- continuity whatsoever night to night. And I think, you know, if OG's back and available, that makes their offense that much more potent. You know, there will be a bit more of an adjustment period as they try to figure out, you know, who gets the touches between OG, Gary Trent Jr., who's been on a heater lately, Fred Van Vliet, Siakam, Scotty Barnes. Like, all these guys are dudes who can score and who, you know, you kind of want to have the ball in their hands. So it might be a bit of an adjustment. And if OG returns, that might actually bode well for the Pacers just because they're catching a team that's kind of in the midst of retransitioning back into their regular form. But yeah, if OG's available, I mean, he, he punks the Pacers quite often. He guards everybody on the Pacers, regardless of who it is. He's easily their best defender, you know, all told. And he really unlocks the switching defense the Raptors would like to play in, in, in I think, a little bit more regularity. But he just hasn't been around to do it. And that's been, again, a big reason why the defense has stumbled so badly here. I think we should pivot to Pacers talk after you tell our listeners about our favorite product. 
Yes, Built Bar is uh, it's a wonderful time of year. And it's Black Friday, baby. When you're watching or listening to this, it is Black Friday. And Built is going all out to make this Black Friday weekend the most delicious Black Friday that ever was in the history of Black Fridays. New limited time flavors, new types of bars, and a winter wonderland of a deal. You want high-end deliciousness at a discount all through Black Friday weekend. Get at least 20% off anything and everything at Built.com using the promo code LOCKED. 20 L-O-C-K-E-D-2-0. You've got a new flavor in Ruby Chocolate Puffs. Those are sitting in my fridge right now. I have not yet had them, but they sound delicious. You've got Lemon Dip Cheesecake Puffs, even more delicious sounding. The best flavor in the history of Built Bar to me is Lemon Almond Cheesecake, which no longer exists, but a lemon-flavored Built Bar in any form is going to be something for me. And a Built Black, uh, Built Black Friday weekend isn't complete without the word free. Buy any box of Built Bars through Sunday and get two of their brand new candy bars, Built Crave, for free. Built has finally done it. They've come up with a candy bar that is a great alternative to the bar that claims to satisfy. It's caramel-colored, sorry, caramel-flavored chocolate loaded with peanuts, given that nutty, chocolatey, mm, oh-so-good sweet candy bar taste. Crave only has 160 calories, 17 grams of protein. Show me a candy bar that even comes close. You cannot. I defy you. No need to fight angry crowds. No camping for hours. Your best Black Friday deals are at Built.com. Tis the season to save and give your taste buds the gift of Built Bar. 20% off Built Bars and two free Crave Bars at Built.com. Plus, you can get 60% off Built Broth and Built Boost and 40% off Built Swag. Just enter the promo code LOCK20 at Built.com on Black Friday weekend. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Tony, shall we uh, talk about the Pacers? The Pacers are weird. Uh, They (laughs) beat good teams. They lose to bad teams. They beat bad teams. They lose to good teams. I have no idea what the hell the Pacers are. They're a slightly positive point differential team, which was a surprise to me when I was looking it up today. Number 12 in net rating. Their offense is 16th. Their defense is 13th. They're the Pacers. They're the most average that they're ever averaged. Uh, I'm curious, Tony. Are we any closer to figuring out what the hell the Pacers are since last we spoke and last the Raptors and Pacers played one another a few weeks back? Karis LeVert's back. He only played his first game in that second game between the Raptors and Pacers earlier on. You know, so that probably doesn't really even count as like a Karis LeVert game. It was all new and fresh. What's the deal with the Pacers? Is there any sort of direction that's been established? Is it still like a let's see and wait for TJ Warren type of situation? They're a very, very baffling team. Well, well said. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they have eight wins. They're eight and 11, eight and 12. I should know that better. Um, and over half their wins are by double figures, and they've lost close an astronomical number of times this season, right? So their net rating is actually pretty reflective of who they are. Like, they, they've just been so unlucky in these close games. And uh, unlucky is the wrong word. When you lose a bunch of close games, there's something to it, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think Steve generally... 20, 20, 2021 Raptors for that one. Uh. <laughs> yeah, everybody understands <laughs> what I mean when I say unlucky in that, in that sort of context. But, mm-hmm. yeah, they're good for sure. Like, they beat Miami. They beat Utah. They beat Philly. They beat Chicago. 
great. Those look good. But then they, you know, they get stomped by the Raptors. No offense to the Raptors. They got stomped by the Raptors. Like they didn't lose yeah. to the Raptors. They got smoked. They lost to Detroit, right? They lost to the Nuggets without Jokic, Murray, and Porter, right? They have some just like, uh, kind of performances too. So have we gotten any closer to figuring out what the Pacers are to answer that question straight away? No, we have not. Like, like there are weeks when TJ McConnell looks like the best player on the team. And then Miles Turner looks like the best player on the team. And then those guys go completely ghost the next week. So it's very hard to get a feel for this team. Basically outside of Brogdon and Sabonis, no one has been consistently at the level you would expect them to be as a fan and viewer of this team all season. So it's very hard to get a feel for what they are. And yes, they're definitely in the holding pattern with TJ Warren. I think that will help answer a lot of questions about what this team can be. If he comes back, and it's going to be tough with the trade deadline timing to really mm-hmm. assess what they are and figure out what this team can be long-term of, of of how much answers he provides because they're just so inconsistent right now, and inconsistency is the hallmark of a not very good team. So it's really hard to get a feel for them, but the other thing you address that's very important is Karis LeVert, and he's been battling back pain all season. He missed the first so many games before that Raptors game. I also have been battling back pain. Uh, <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I, I Isn't sitting it good for your spine? It's fantastic. I love being inside all the time. He's playing kind of upright, like noticeably standing straighter up, which is strange. Mm-hmm. He's still, like he's had some better performances of late. I would say like his last two or three games, he's been a little better, um, but like six and five points in their two wins against, uh, or against Charlotte and, and new Orleans. Now you expect from Karis Overt. So the pain is certainly hurting him. He is shooting super poorly from the field this season. A ton of games shooting under 40% on decent volume. So he's been bad for a reason, but it doesn't matter what the reason is. You're trying to win. He's been bad. Mm -hmm. So pain is the reason. Uh, Levert is not the Karis Levert you know. He still draws the attention of a defense enough to be somewhat effective. But yeah, he's been rough, and and it has not been helpful for the Pacers that he has been rough. So let me ask you, Tony, like they're still figuring out what they are. What do you think like the dream vision of this team is like for Rick Carlisle? Is there one in mind that they're trying to work towards? Is it not going to be sort of clear until maybe they move out some pieces and change up the mix? Like I feel like we've been talking about the Pacers trading dudes for like half a decade now. And it's maybe started been doing the show, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's maybe been an overblown sort of like through line narrative type thing with the Pacers, but like in terms of finding that like dream Rick Carlisle Pacers identity, what is the pathway to that? And what exactly do you think that is? If there is any inkling to be had? Yeah, I've got two, I've got one lazy point and then a second less lazy, but still effective point here. The lazy point is two years ago, basically this exact team, I say this Mm -hmm. so much probably to you even was pretty good. They were fourth in the East and now they've Mm -hmm. added Torrey Craig in place of Doug McDermott, basically into that exact rotation. And mm-hmm. Carlisle and Nick, Nate McMillan, probably pretty similar coaches, but different coaches. So I think the the vision holistically is if we're healthy, we know we can be a top six-ish defense. You know, Carlisle really emphasized defense. And Camp Miles Turner's better than he was back then. Warren's been a good defender. So the hope is that then when they get the healthy team, Carlisle can make them close to that good. And then he, with his different coaching style than Nate McMillan, can figure out what sort of tweaks and changes he would want because they had Oladipo that year, not Levert. You know, it, it's a little different, but it's a close enough assembly that I have talked about that very often. The less lazy part is I don't know how Carlisle feels about these guys yet. He's only coached right. them for 20 games, right? But we can get a feel for, you know, what kind of guys he emphasizes more than others. And Levert's been bad playing under him. And he plays Torrey Craig over O'Shea Brissett and stuff. Like, we understand that he 
Value Anti-Canadian surgery. rhetoric right there. I don't care for it. <laughs> I pushed very hard for O'Shea Brissett minutes on Locked On Pacers earlier this season. <laughs> Torrey Craig's been better than him, so I, it does it makes sense to me. But he, I right. think that we don't, you know, Carlisle's stamp on the Pacers might be tweaked pretty soon. Like, if they're under 500 at this trade deadline, I think that he'll push for, you know, we see him be pretty interchangeable roles, perimeter play, guard-heavy kind of guy. Maybe making a move like they play two bigs and they're both good. Carlisle likes both of them, but it's not how he has historically favored playing. You know what I mean? Sure. And even when he had Dirk, who was amazing, he did not park his butt near the basket, even in the two post player era. So mm-hmm. I think that ideally for him, he'd have a little more shooting on this team. They are they do not have any really threatening shooters and a little bit more perimeter ball handling. So it, when it, when his vision comes more into play, I think we'll know more about the Pacers, but. I sincerely doubt the current roster construction is is Carlisle's like dream roster, even though it has sure. some talented players that fit the way he likes to play. And they know they can be better than this from two seasons ago. But the other question that has to be answered in all this is like they you know, they were a fifty whatever win team that year. Is TJ Warren that important to everything you're trying to do? Like <laughs> think of TJ Warren, yeah, he's good, but it's like he shouldn't be that important. So they still have a lot of questions to answer, and his return will certainly help answer a lot of them. Yeah, so turning our attention to the game tonight, Tony, is there a particular like battleground, a particular matchup, a particular sort of stat department that you kind of have your eye on as something that you're pretty intrigued by as maybe like a pivot point for this game and the result? Um, you know that they stunk defending the Raptors pretty badly in the 118 point game. So just mm-hmm. how do they kind of clean up defending, especially the Raptors second, you know, like the Banton lineups. I remember I DM'd you and I was like, who is this guy? Because he <laughs> tore them up so much. And I think everybody's been asking you, who is this guy this season? But it just the Pacers defense in general has not been up to the snuff. They, they're at 13th now, but I think they mm-hmm. need to defend a little better against this team. So just matchup wise, who do they put on Siakam? And in general, how do they defend his gravity to make the Raptors not score as much because when the Raptors scored 118, the Pacers had no chance. And when the Raptors scored 97, the Pacers had a chance to tie it at the end of the game. They had a shot to it. So I think very lazily again, man, I am just killing the lazy analysis. (laughs) It's Thanksgiving. You're supposed to be lazing around. You're (laughs) you're off today. It's fine. That is true. (laughs) But can the Pacers find a way to get the stops required? I think when they made the adjustment from the first game to the second game of more Torrey Craig, that definitely helped OG was not as good in the second game and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But, you know, can they – like now Pascal is back and they're still very good. Maybe OG and Pascal are back. We still don't even know that kind of stuff yet. So how can they defend well against this Raptors team that has given them absolute fits for years and years and years? And two, mm-hmm. can they find a way to get Jeremy Lamb in the game because he is substantially better against the Raptors than any other franchise? Career, <laughs> but uh, all jokes aside, I think that they need to find a way to. You know, Fred has played well against them uh, this season. Like, can they slow him down? Their point of attack defense was way weaker in October than it is now. So, can mm-hmm. they, you know, kind of apply some of the principles they've learned and evolved in this game, make him a little more uncomfortable, and in turn make you know shots harder, make pick and roll situations harder. Um, so I think it's going to be on defense and, and guys like Miles Turner, especially who are their better defenders to step up and, and really put their stamp on this Raptors team that, like you said, is surprisingly good at offense uh, in ways that they weren't in past seasons. Yeah, for me, I think I'm really curious about how the Raptors are going to go about defending Demonis Sabonis in particular. And, and like, it's a very different team than what they've played recently. They've played a lot of teams with sort of, 
heliocentric guards. They took on the, the Grizzlies on this road trip, the Warriors. They played the Jazz and Donovan Mitchell, even like Darren Fox. I, I would kind of classify as like a lesser version of those guys. Uh, and then Not dating even year. back to the Blazers. Like, yeah, that's true. Um, dating back even to the Blazers, uh, you know, at the beginning of this interminable road trip they've been on, you know, they have played a lot of sort of similarly styled teams. And now they come back to the Eastern Conference where everybody is grime. And I'm excited to see how they deploy their defense because, you know, they, I think, really effectively in that first Pacers game just bothered the hell out of Sabonis and yep. sort of made his that life miserable, set two to him every single opportunity. And the lack of shooting that you're talking about kind of plays into that. But it does seem like Sabonis is less of a hub for the Pacers this season. His assists are way down. Like, he's not, like, the central force that everything, that ties everything together anymore. Um, you know, because you got a lot of guards with the ball in their hands. So I'm kind of curious to see how they balance that. Now with Lavert, maybe a little bit more settled, even if he is playing through back pain. There's a lot of different ways they could go about it. And I, I, I'm curious, like, do they play a more sort of switch-heavy reserve scheme, especially if OG is back, and just trust that any one of their guys can guard any one of the Pacers guys? Or do they continue to do the crazy throw two at the ball whenever a guy who has some threatening quality uh, is, you know, is kind of lurking around and do they sort of force the, the, the kicks and sort of maybe expose the lack of shooting that the Pacers might have. It's a fascinating matchup, Tony. We of course will be watching it tomorrow and digging all into it. Uh, Do you have any parting shots here before we round this thing out? No, you nailed it. Toronto has been the best at defending Sabonis in the league. And that's going to be key if they can keep that up. I mean, they've even put more of an emphasis on him being a hub recently. So if they can slow that down, I think Toronto's got a good shot. And the Pacers, if they fall to 8-13 and 13 and are 0-3 against the Raptors, that is the difference between under 500 and over 500 for them. Is just struggling against under 500 Toronto Raptors team. So everybody <laughs> listening on my feed, please go listen to Locked on Raptors. Sean, you got anything else? No, man. Go listen to Locked on Pacers, to my uh, Raptors uh, fan brethren out there. And of course, uh, you know, thanks for making us your first listen of the day. Go and make your second listen of the day. Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Josh Lloyd, very good at his job. He's going to win you some money in your fantasy leagues and uh, make it so you don't want to rip your hair out of the very concept of fantasy sports like I do. Uh, So, uh, yeah, that's all I got, man. Sean's on Twitter at WoodleySean for all his Raptors musings. And, of course, I'm on Twitter at TEastNBA. American listeners, hope you had a great holiday. Canadian listeners, hope you had a wonderful Thursday. Enjoy the game tonight, everybody, and we will see you soon. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.